Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there's Steve. Howdy ho. And we're spinning up again to uh, talk about Altered Carbon. Uh, in specific, the television series and animated film on Netflix. Netflix is just cranking this stuff out. Yeah, I mean, why not? That's right. They well, uh, they 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 seem to like... Throw a lot of shit against the wall and see what sticks. Well, they do, they do, and apparently, altered carbon is one of the things that has has stuck. Even though it was uh, two years between season one and season two. Yeah, but I think it's an it's it's definitely a lot of special effects. I think it takes a bit to make. Yeah, yeah. Although, although they really try to keep the effects minimal because, particularly in season one, it's more of a, a, a character story. I guess there were a lot of sets. So they probably build. had a lot less money in season one than, than they did in season two. This is true. This is true. And with an animated production, you know, you don't it, all your special effects and everything. It's all just part of making the film. So, right. So really, I guess it's well. Well, let's let's talk about it. It's two series of live action and one feature length animated film done in that uh, cell shaded three D style that you see in like berserk and uh, a couple other Joe Joe's bizarre adventure right I've never watched that one so I have no idea now the first season of altered carbon is based around the first altered carbon book the first Takeshi Kovacs novel Kovacs yeah there's uh some significant changes that I think work fairly well in the first season, but unfortunately, the repercussions mm-hmm. uh, of of those changes don't do it for me beyond the first season. If well, that makes any sense. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the first season primarily right now, and then we'll move on to to season two. Yeah, one of the main changes that they made they made the envoys more of a resistance organization. Specialized uh, training. That's what they were. <laughs> they right. were the rebels on Harlan's yeah. world. They were the re- rebel faction on Harlan's world, led by the woman who invented um, stacks. Yeah. Now, also, Raylene Kanahara is in this in the series portrayed as Takeshi's sister, right? Instead of his longtime frenemy, right? Overall, I think that the first season worked for me better than the novel did. <laughs> I it's hard for me to say that because I watched the first season when it came out before I read the novel mm-hmm. and it made me want to read the novel. Right. Um so I, I did I enjoyed it, but I think the book does much more than than the mo- than the series did. Well, perhaps, perhaps, but I think I think tying everything to Takeshi Kovacs' character uh, with making Raylene his sister and and going that plot arc, and also juxtaposing the envoy and their philosophy versus the meths and their philosophy where the meths are whatever I want. I just take it. 
Whereas the envoy philosophy, there the big phrase that's repeated over and over is, "You take what's given, or take what's offered." Yeah, it just seems to me that that was a little too contrived. That juxtaposition, it wasn't like something that was organic. Yeah, and it it, it kind of bothers me. It it just kind of bothers me that they made like a big deal out of like his envoyness as a rebel. Mm-hmm as opposed to in the book where he was um, kind of like a fallen angel kind of guy mm-hmm. where he, he was, you know, he was what, what in the, um, in the series of CPAC, CTAP, CTAC, CTAC, um, you know, so they, they really didn't change, you know, his background so much as, yeah, well, they did because they made him like some sort of political rebel, which he wasn't. In the in the well, in the yeah, novel. he wasn't really a political rebel, but he was also, uh, and he was a straight uh, up criminal, right? He was heavily trained CTAC, though, so it kind of bordered, it kind of like blended two ideas into ma- building the character because he was, I mean, CTAC is supposed to be spe- like special forces, right? I mean, CTAC is for all intents and purposes what the envoys were. And I just don't see why you would like add another layer. It I just, don't know. It, I, I it didn't make any sense except to put this backstory on him that you. I don't feel you really needed that backstory, but apparently they did in in the first series. I'm not. I'm not saying it was bad because it was good enough for me to enjoy and want to read the book. I'm just questioning why. Well, I, I don't find that the whole juxtaposition between between the take what's offered versus take what you want is is you know really in your face. It's more of a subtext, and it really doesn't come into play until you know the final act of it, and and even then, like the final conversation between Raylene and Tak, you know that it just comes out in the open like that. But it's just kind of you know no matter how much talk tries to push people away people just kind of gravitate toward him and that's kind of strange as well well and and that's both that's well yeah but you know it's like one of these things that he 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 seems to inspire people a little bit more in the series than than people in the novel well regardless of whether or not he says i'm just using you as a pawn well, I think you kind of need that in in um in a video series because you have to have like recurring characters because you have to pay actors, right? So, so it's an there's an economy, I guess, of of you know making the damn thing that has to be thought of where you don't really have that in a novel. In a novel, if uh, you kill off a character or drive them away you can have somebody else come in and fulfill a role. Right. In a series or in a book, if you kill off a character, you have to pay somebody else (laughs) to fill that void. I mean, it's just reality. So a a lot of what happens regarding characters is the same set of characters. There are a few, the character list is actually a little bit streamlined as certain characters have been compressed together. Yes, and you get that too, once again, because paying one actor or actress is 
cheaper than paying two or three. Right. Right. Like you have uh, Lizzie, who is uh, in the in the novel, but she's a very minor, minor role. And in fact, we only like hear about her through narration. We never actually see this character. Right. Whereas she becomes pretty pivotal. Pretty, uh, yeah. Yeah. She she does. Well, that's also because they didn't have um, uh, what's her name? Trep. Trep. Nope. They in, have the they have series. Trep's evil doppelganger in uh, in that sidekick of you know. Are you you know are you faithful? Are you yeah, a believer? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That uh, guy is the is the Trep role in the novel, but it yeah, it, it makes of, it a little creepy. In Trep, a way, Trep is much more cooler. Than, right, than creepy cultist guy. Yeah, well, he's creepy cultist guy. There's, there's well, a lot also of... that, that role was kind of um, forgettable. To be yeah. honest with you, it really didn't need to be there. He was, I mean, kinda, he was, he was a thug, basically. Yeah, he was like a super thug. He was like a the, a second tier Bond villain. So he was like Odd Job or Jaws, right? Without the charisma of those two characters, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But yeah, he, he wasn't like the completely insane villain who has like some convoluted plan that makes absolutely no sense. He was the guy who just like beat the shit out of people for that villain, right? Because he believed meths were gods. Yeah, that's more or less what he did. And and I guess I get the contrast between that character and the lawyer, mm-hmm. who also believed Mets were gods, but wanted to become one. Right, right. So I guess in that context, it makes sense to have somebody to show the dark side of, of this worship of Mets. Mm-hmm. The two sides of the society they created, right. the sycophants and the fanatics. Right. Both of whom uh, get their... Just desserts. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I was real happy with what happened to uh, to the cultist. Yeah. After he did something that was not in the original novel. Yeah, and, and that's the whole thing is like, I guess being a, being a complete shitbag by like, a, I mean, spoiling the plot from last week catering to the to the uh disgusting whims of the rich mm-hmm. um being a, a total shitbag and al- and allowing that to happen isn't enough right they, they had to show that they have followers who are willing to do shitty things for them like kill children mm-hmm. so a, a little bit more over the top and I, I i guess it's it's harder to have like a subtle subtext in in a uh, visual medium, which which you get in the novel. I mean, you you get in the novel. These people are pieces of shit. Hmm. They are um, they're more or less not human, right? Uh, because of their longevity, and I guess in the series they just have to keep on hammering that home. And right. it is a little heavy handed with the yes, they're shit bags. Well, it's also a fact that, you know, the novel is written in first person, so you're always inside of Kovach's head, but you can't do a, a series in first person. It has to be third person. Right. So you end up having to follow some of these other characters around because you can't 
constantly be in Kovach's path all the time. Because there's a lot of downtime for Kovach in some cases. That's true. So so one of the ways that they swap this around is they have uh, Kristen Ortega filling a much, much bigger role in the series as the book. She's like the secondary protagonist. Yeah, pretty much. And, and I guess in in elevating her character status, you have to like do a complete story arc with her. And you get the this whole thing where you start lining up heroes and villains for the ultimate showdown. Yes. And, and I guess that kind of bugs me a little bit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a lot less of a slave to the source material than I have been in the past. Mm. And this isn't really as egregious as some other things that we've looked at. <coughs> Dragula. Um, <laughs> But I, I do prefer that they they stick somewhat to the source material, not fan fiction it up too terribly. Right. And we'll get to that in a second. And and this kind well the the, the season one kind of goes on the verge of that, but falls a little short because I realize you have to do things for plot, and you know there's eight episodes to get through and and all that stuff. I realize all that. Right, it was 10 episodes, I believe, in the first season. Oh, uh, 10 episodes. What? However many episodes, there were a lot of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it was a long book, but it wasn't that long. Right. You could have gotten, like, maybe, you probably, if you just stuck with Kovach, you could have gotten this done in two hours. Right. I think. I, I think you could have told yeah, the story. you made a, a pretty good movie, you know, mm-hmm. from it. But, you know, you do a series, that's w- what they do these days. Yeah. And and it deserved a series. I think probably more people watched it as a series than would have as a film. You had come up with a list, or somebody had published a list that you pointed out to me. Yeah, on YouTube. Uh, the five major differences right. between uh, the novel and the first season. Right. And we covered a couple of them. Raylene being uh, Kovach's sister rather than frenemy, longtime frenemy. Uh, we've discussed the swapping of characters of Trep. Uh, we also talked about Kristen Ortega playing a bigger role. I don't think that was on the list. Uh, one of the other li- things that they mentioned on that list um, that actually kind of rings true is that the sexy time is a little sexier <laughs> on screen than in the book. Uh, there's a lot of TNA yes. and D&B. <laughs> right but but even even so you know the 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 big love scenes felt a little steamier than than reading morgan describe it you know the hot, <laughs> hot globes all, of her it buttocks all, it was all pretty uh pretty racy it was pretty racy but you know it's like, but it, yeah it's definitely uh humans are definitely a more visual species right morgan morgan's ability to describe sex is uh not that great i never thought it would happen to me <laughs> <laughs> dear penthouse <laughs> uh, kind of yeah I'm about to blow your stacks. <laughs> yeah. 
What was, it was uh, definitely a sexy, sexy, fun time. Yes, <laughs> and and very graphic violence. Yes, uh, which both were. I don't consider that a difference. They right. there was oh, no, graphic no, no. violence and sex in in the uh, the book as well. Uh, the 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 one and the one I missed, and it's weird because I noticed it as it was happening, so mm-hmm. to speak, but I, like I didn't think about it. Was the hotel right? Right, the AI hotel in in the book. Uh, it's a very minor role mm-hmm. in the book. Uh, the AI is named Hendrix after Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had said because the estate of Jimi Hendrix does not like the uh, guitar god to be associated with random acts of senseless violence, mm-hmm. they, they uh, changed AI. Yep, they had to change the AI into uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Fan favorite. Yep, and he became a fan favorite. And I believe the producers and showrunners um, felt that it was an appropriate change given that Edgar Allan Poe is the father of modern detective fiction. And having him in this detective story, even as an avatar of sorts. Yes, and and um, I guess it worked out so well that his status uh, increased greatly for the second season. Oh yeah, he's like uh, he's like a almost he he's upgraded from uh, concierge and and buddy to full sidekick in the second. And he season. has a story arc. <laughs> yeah, he he does, and it's it's almost more interesting than the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well. It's, it's, it's definitely got its uh, Philip K. Dick aspects to his story arc. Mm. And I say that not as a Philip K. Dick expert. Right. Of course. So I think we both agree that, that season one was a pretty solid adaptation. I've yeah. watched it twice, and I liked it both times. Right. Which brings us to the second season, where they recast Takeshi Kovach. Uh, which, is, which is fine. It's cool. Right. I mean, right. Like, that's, that's kind of the idea. It's like, that's the premise. Yeah. So, uh, just a little background. I've actually read the second book, mm. uh, in the series, uh, broken angels. Right. I think it's called, and he is received into something completely different than that. So right. it's not even the same guy in the second, totally down with that. That's like kind of the, 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 the pull of the series. Right. That's the unique thing is that you can, you know, kill off your main character and move them into a different body and, and have another actor take a shot at doing it. All, yeah, unlike cool. say James Bond, where, you know, there's some, allegedly some type of continuity there and they just change actors. Boom. It's done. He's Bond. You right. Know, no explanation. Like, there you go. Right. But with the fact that you can shift a person into any number of bodies, different types of bodies, you can have any number of actors come along and take on this character. My problem is that if the conceit of the thing is the sleeve is different, but the stack, the personality is the same, Mm -hmm. the actor playing Takeshi Kovach should at least try to perform in the mannerisms of the guy who did it before them. Okay. So there's a continuity of the character, so to speak. Right. 
But, I mean, that's also a little bit difficult to do because Takeshi Kovach is a mind, not a body. So, you know, what what aspects of that character do you transfer over? Well, you could have, like, character ticks. You could have um, cadence of speech, uh, choice of words. I mean, there's definitely subtle ways that you can impart on the same guy. Hmm. Doubly so when the same character is played by two different actors sharing the screen at the same time. And my, my big problem, which really took away a lot of my enjoyment of the second series, was that they didn't even bother. There wasn't even a nod toward that. Right. Toward, they, toward, they... toward using the mechanics of acting to convince the audience that it's the same guy. Mm-hmm. Only, only once, um, and we'll have to give a spoiler, is that uh, a protectorate colonel, special forces guy, actually has a uh, copy of Takeshi Kovach before he went rogue on ice and brings him in to catch current Takeshi Kovach. And there is a scene where the two Kovaches face off and they fight each other in mirror image. Yeah, but see, and like, that's, that's the a- only indication that you get that these two guys are actually the same person is that they they have this one brief exchange, physical exchange, where they appear to be mirrored. Right. But there's they, no they other little be, ticks. But they did that to be clever in martial arts training, which is cool. Right. But I don't see why they didn't do it to be clever throughout the whole fucking series. And it really, it, it kind of, it bugged me. It bugged me enough that it kind of made me not really give a shit about the second season. And there were other problems I had with it, but that was like the overriding one. It was like, you can't even like acknowledge the, the conceit of your show. Yeah, you know who does it more than Anthony Mackie does? The guy that actually plays OG... Kovach. Right. It's through him that you can start getting the text. Like, he drinks the scotch and he's like, oh, what do you know? My right, favorite. But- you know, and it's it's all him, like, doing all the heavy lifting to convince us that Anthony Mackie is Takeshi Kovach. Right. And it, it kind of sucks. And I, I don't know if it's because Anthony Mackie's not up to that. Uh, that would be uh, Byron Mann. By that, by the mm-hmm. way, is a uh, right OG, yeah, Takeshi Kovach. Now, actually, Mia was watching the show as well, and she said at the once we got to the end of the second season that of the three, Takeshi Kovach OG is her favorite. Yeah, I could see that the actor that plays him, and I was kind of hoping once we got to the end that we would see. OG Kovach kind of take over the series. That's all up in the air. Well, it is kind of up in the air, but you know, you have that ending where it's like, better get out the good whiskey. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, and and now my, my, that was my big problem with season two. My Mm. second problem with season two was it was kind of, fan fiction-y and it was spent more time kind of like giving little winks and nods than it did 
um, telling a, a good story. Right. Um, you know, I guess a lot of what made the first season special mm-hmm. uh, was, has already been revealed. So once once you get past all the things that you can do with uh, body swapping like that, mm-hmm. uh, resleeving, you kind of have to rely on a solid story. Right. Right. And, and what we ended up getting was what could have been a very solid story, the bones of a solid story wrapped up in a very action-heavy piece. Yeah, and I think they, they borrowed heavily from, I guess, the third book, mm-hmm. which I haven't read. Okay. Uh, but I read a plot synopsis of it. Okay. Uh, and it seems like they took a, a number of elements from that, but not quite the plot. And they might have the same relationship that um, the first season had to the first book. Mm-hmm. That that might be what's going on here. But whatever they did, they did, unless that third book really sucks. Right, right. <laughs> I don't um, think they did it very well. Well, I think there was also, uh, as I was looking into it, there was some concern about how they handled uh, Kelkris Falconer in the first season and they kind of had to like had to have her in the second even though it's the third book where she they actually right. join back up or meet up. Right, and that's that's where they took a lot of that that the Calcus Falconer plot from this season from was the third mm-hmm. book. Right. And they're n- not knowing if we're going to have a season 3, you know, they kind of had to put her in. It's almost that uh Sam Raimi Spider-Man 3 thing, you know, you have to you have to have this and you have to have this and you have to have this, but when you mix them all together, it's all kind of right, They're just too much. Right. Everybody all the fans wanted to have Poe in there, so they had to write Poe a a story arc. Although you could have kept that character as a sidekick and and still had him do well. The actor that performs Poe is is great. Uh, he has he does a, a good job. He has a very sharp sense of deadpan humor timing. Yeah, I mean it's like kind of like Ask Lovecraft in Poe form, right? And so you 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 did not necessarily have to give him a story arc, even though I just said a few minutes ago that his story arc is probably one of the better ones in the in the season. No, it is, but unfortunately it detracts from the main story because mm-hmm. the main story is kind of boring. Right. Right. There's a lot of there's a lot of wheel spinning in the beginning of it. Yeah. And any now, any of the uh any of the plot points, the major plot points could have been the main arc of the story. And you right. didn't have to do the whole Kelquist Falconer thing in those eight episodes. And there were only eight episodes in this season. Yeah. I mean, uh, that part you could have carried over into another season is the big mystery. Yes. Uh, you know, and then, then I think they, had, they they were like, oh, we didn't use Trap, so let's use Trap. Right. And oh, Simone Messick is, is great as, as she's she wasted, was. though. She right. was wasted. Well, she's, she's playing uh, Misty Knight again. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, but she really is. Uh, you know, she and, does it really well. Right, <laughs> she does it really fucking well. But you know, it just was—it was a little out of place for 
for what was I, I guess it, it fit the plot of what was going on mm-hmm. but it wasn't enough of a good plot and they, they wasted moments with her like her her um vacillating loyalty right i guess could have been used so much better um right you, know? you could have made the hunt for her brother the main plot point of season two and and with sub b stories and stuff right or she could have lived up to her namesake and been the one, the betrayer mm-hmm. at some point, you know, maybe not the, the ultimate betrayer, but like the road to betrayal goes through Trek. Right. You know, to make it interesting, but it, it didn't. No. It, it just was, it, it got really just like flat and predictable. Mm-hmm. And it, it's unfortunate. Um, where in season one, I was on the edge of my seat. I wanted to know what happened next. Right. In season two, I made it to the fourth episode and basically was like, are we covering this? Because if we're not covering this, I'm not watching it. Right. Right. <laughs> and, but like I said, I think they tried to do too much. Yeah. I think it got better toward the end. Mm-hmm. As, as things started like petering out plot lines. Yeah. And you started, um, I think you could have, I think in this case, you could have had, um, you know, a good solid two and a half hour movie mm-hmm. and, and, and said what you wanted to say as opposed to an eight hour snooze fest. Right. 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 And it seemed like they, every time the pacing was getting was like, a little lull, you'd have a big fucking action set piece and then it, Right, going, and, and I hate to say it because I like Anthony Mackie, but I, I don't think he just he just dialed it in almost. Yeah, he um, like dialed it in as just generic action hero guy, right? Which he's and convincing he, at that mostly, but yeah, he's good at it. But you know, if if action hero doesn't do it for him, we we covered the fact that you could have done the Kelquist Falconer storyline over two seasons, and it would have been a big deal, especially if you had left the big reveal off as a cliffhanger. Yeah. If you had like had her character introduced so much later on, like have that tease in the beginning. Right. Right. Where he, he like come, he see a uh, needle cast in and he's like hired to be a bodyguard for a mess and blah, blah, blah. And I can tell you where, where Falconer is. Right. Which and is, then that's a, that was a great stinger be, right there. And not have the next scene be her show up. Right. You could have like waited to like six, seven, or eight episodes, and then had her show up or had like a clue as to her whereabouts and what right. was going on with her. It was just like being well, led by the nose, right? But it, and also you could have taken that. You could have had her show up in the second scene, and it would have been like, um, did you ever see that movie with uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio del Toro, The Hunted? Nope. Because Kelquist Falconer taught Takeshi Kovacs everything he knows damn near, you could have run the entire season as a cat and mouse game. You could have. And you would have had, he's always trying to outsmart Kelquist Falconer. And, you know, and then you have the fact that, you know, he kind of spent, he might spin his wheels a little bit. He'll fail because he's trying to outsmart her. And, you know, and, 
then you have that investigation. And then you put a time limit on it, like she's killing, you know, meths, and she has this target. And he's got to find her before she gets to the target, instead of, you know, the second time we see her, two more are gone. Two more targets are gone. It, yeah, it, it was just kind of... Right, it, it was it was rushed, it was, it was forced. Boring. It was boring. boring. You could have taken that and made that something spectacular. You could have adopted the second, the second book. Well, you could have, and and shown the range that this that these characters can be involved in. And I think yeah. that they were attempting to show a range by going with a more action heavy plot. But like I said, it's kind of like a Grant Morrison story. There's a lot of good ideas with poor execution. Yeah, or maybe too many good ideas. Mm-hmm. Season one, yay. Season two, nay. And there's one more piece of this um, puzzle. Right. That is altered carbon on celluloid. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, altered carbon re-sleeved, the animated film. Which is really strange. (laughs) It's not. It is a full-on anime. It's Japanese as shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that they actually animated the characters to look Japanese. Right. Uh, yeah. Which don't, you, you watch a lot of anime and, you know, you have Chibi and whatever characters, and you just assume the default is Japanese. And mm-hmm. if you're Japanese, you're watching, oh, yeah, they're Japanese. And if you're not, you watch it and you think to yourself, but these characters are Japanese. Right. Now, Naruto doesn't look Japanese. He's Japanese, right? Right. Right, I get what you're saying. But these guys look Japanese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they, they, they made them look... And All but the tattoo artist, and there's a reason yes. for that. Yes. The tattoos. <laughs> right. The tattoo was fucking... Awesome. Right. <laughs> the fucking Yakuza tattoo. The, the basic plot of this thing is uh, Kovach gets, uh, this is prior, this is like a prequel, I guess, to the current events. And it seems like it's not too far after the the uh, fall of the envoys. Mm-hmm. Basically, Kovach gets um, needle cast into a sleeve and hired to protect the tattoo artist for a Yakuza clan Mm -hmm. who has a hit out on her. Right. Long story short. By another Yakuza clan. (laughs) Yes. By, by another Yakuza clan. So it's a little confusing at the beginning, Um, but it hits the right balance of action Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, high concept weirdness. Right, right. Um, that makes it an enjoyable watch. I, I know we're, this is kind of an afterthought here um, in terms of the show, our show. Right. Uh, but it has to be said that it was, I would have watched that eight times over. That's right. Watch it, season two. Um, it was It was you know parts of it you could tell. It's, parts it's of what it were, season two could have been. Yeah, 
it, it was well parts of it were definitely derivative of the show mm. like not um not like in season two where they have continuity right things happening but things like there was a hotel with an ai right yeah because there has to be a hotel with an ai right that the stuff that's not really so much an easter egg or a reference it's just part of the world building Right, and and even that you kind of, it kind of felt out of place because it was derivative of what they did with the hotel in season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I got the impression that these AI hotels were fairly unique to Earth in season one. That that was a Earth thing because he had no idea what they were. It, even though it was a pretty basic action plot, protect the girl there was a good bit of mystery going on and uh yeah there were a couple of little twists here and there that you eventually figured out before before it was actually revealed but right. it was still enough to make you think about it to figure it out see but that's that's the cool thing about this movie that you didn't get in season 2 was they used the concept mm. of of Reese leaving as as part of the plot right right and and the technology the the new tech and and the mythology of of the world building was used as part of it mm-hmm. as opposed to you know just being part of the background window dressing this had some very good action elements in it too being that it is anime um we had some we had some really good fucking sword swinging action here. Huge sword fight at the end. Yeah, you nice have to swords and guns together. Yep. John Woo crying. Cyber ninja. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Cyber ninja. We actually get to see what a cyber ninja can do. Yeah. Cuz that was only teased at us in the novel. Wasn't really made too much big a deal in the yeah. series. Got the cyber ninja, you got a nice cool Yakuza plot line happening. Um all in all it was really good. You you know what the thing is? Here 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 it is. This is the thing that ties the anime and season one together and where season two kind of dropped off. It's not the science fiction elements. It's not using necessarily using the technology. It's still a, it's an anime, but it's still a crime movie. It's a gangster film. Yeah, that's true. And and that's the same thing. It, season one is that classic Philip Marlowe type of detective story, The Big Sleep, something like that. So so season one was a crime movie, a detective story, and season and Resleeved was a, a gangster film. Right. But it still falls under that that whole noir aesthetic and, and topic choice. Very little of season two of Altered Carbon fell into that noir slash crime aesthetic. It went yeah. more for straight quote unquote sci fi. Yeah. With like its that. main main plot line. Yeah. Almost definitely. Political intrigue. Well you could have you could it would have that would have stuck with the noir but it was so far in the background other yeah. than you had your, you know, out, um, 
Rebels. Your rebels, your colonial governor, and then your federal government. Right. You know, and you had those three factions. Yeah, once again, stuck with that. Would have been a great season. Piling all and all this other stuff. We watered it down. They didn't get out the good whiskey for this season. <laughs> no. Left, that's that's what that's they, what it is, right? They there. left the good stuff back in Bay City. Yeah. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Altered Carbon season one, Altered Carbon Resleeved. Uh both noir crime influenced stories of the Altered Carbon universe. Season two, uh big budget action film version. <laughs> Yeah, it's of, really of it's like the universe. difference between Alien and Aliens. Right. All right, so that's it. Right back. <laughs> we'll see you next keep, time, and... Keep 30 likes. All right.